So he scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged, and then he scrooged again and scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged and scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged, and then he scrooged again. And you were looking for something, tearing across the pages, moving back and forth, restlessly looking for something. What on earth, what the heck were you looking for? Our seclusion in our cellarage. It's over. Spring is coming. You'll see. A reading life, a writing life, with writer and teacher Sally Bailey. Produced by Andrew Smith. So it's Saturday morning, the morning of my washing, a washing morning. Let me fill my sink, my silver basin, which looks like the bottom of a small round boat, a little round boat. And let's see if my boiler fires up today as it should. Growl, growl, growl. Come on, little boiler. Come on, little boiler, you can do it. Whoa, that was a big bang, but it caught fire in all the right ways. It ignited, running the water, so I can wash my cloths and put them outside. We didn't have a washing machine when I was growing up. No, those were banned, partly because we couldn't afford one, but also because my mother was very suspicious of machines. So I learned to do hand washing as a small child. As I say, we didn't have a washing machine. My mother believed that clothes were ruined by machines. Absolutely ruined, 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 she would say. They're ruin your clothes. And I am now kneading away at my, at my washcloth, as they say in America, my cloths. Squelch, squelch, squelch. It's like making pastry. You need strong wrists and strong hands and strong fingers to be a washerwoman. I think of Mr. Toad in Wind in the Willows. He was a fake, if ever there was. A fake, if ever there was, of a washerwoman. Remember, he dresses up to hide from his jailer when he's got himself into a bit of a Mr. Toad pickle. He is arrested and put in prison. I'm speaking, of course, of The Wind in the Willows, Kenneth Graham. Mr. Toad is perhaps my favourite character because he reminds us all of our great failings, our experiments and our failings, which is the basis, I think, of most art. We must fail in order to get somewhere new and exciting. You try, you try, you try again. And that's what I say to my students too. The essay means, of course, in French, E-S-S-A-I, essay, essay, 
to try, to try, to try, to try, to try, to try. And now my kneading has been done, my washing pastry, let's call it, my cloth, I pull it out and I'm going to hang it outside to dry with my pegs. Always a crisis if you can't find pegs, I think. Pegs very useful object for all sorts of things on boats. Things can be hung from pegs to dry inside, of course. Drying is always a bit of a problem in the winter, but now the spring air is here. I'm in mind to do rustling around in my tin, looking for my pegs. I'm in mind to do what I believe the character of Moley does. On one fine spring day in Wind in the Willows, he puts out his washing to dry. And Moley has always been a source of inspiration to me. I mean, I'm amused by Mr. Toad, but Moley really has got his life act together. He lives very simply. No doubt he also has a nice tin of pegs somewhere. He lives very simply. He has few clothes. He has just enough cheese in his fridge to have his friend Ratty over, which I think is a very good philosophy for life. Have just enough in to have a friend over. And on a fine spring day, do your washing by hand and hang out your waistcoat to dry. I remember when I was at university, one of my oldest friends from that period of time, she makes fun of me. She says, Sally, you used to sit at the kitchen table, the dining room table in that small flat we shared in St. Andrews in Scotland with a book in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And you were looking for something, tearing across the pages, moving back and forth, restlessly looking for something. What on earth, what the heck were you looking for? And I suppose I was looking for meaning. I was looking for some kind of truth, a moment of revelation, a voice, someone to direct me. I was 19, 20, 21. I'd just come out of the care system. I was in this quite grand and ancient cathedral town. I was looking for something wiser and older than myself. And I remember I was reading Sexual Personae by Camille Parlier, who's a very charismatic writer. She sometimes becomes rather ludicrous, but I loved her zest and her life. It's a study of decadence, really, sexual personae. She's interested in, I suppose, the, the blood and the gore and the spectacle of bodies as they decay. Um, as they interact with one another through love, sex, lust, passion, death. But what I was particularly struck by was the confidence of Camille Parlier's critical voice. It was as though she had read the entire tradition of Western and some Eastern literature. And she had gulped it all down and swallowed it. And she'd spat it out in some very alluring form inside this book. 
I remember very clearly her definition at the front of personae, meaning mask. And she took the reader all the way back to the Greek 5th century classical Greece and the tradition of plays and theatre and festivals and ways in which the chorus characters wear masks in order to present themselves as a character, as a personae, as a hidden person. And part of me, I think, was also wanting to learn how to develop the hidden, the secret, the not seen, the not known, the invisible. And so that book, that thick wadge of a book, it was hundreds of pages long, it was about seven or eight hundred, very extravagant outburst by Camille Parlier, critical outburst, was partly the mask that I adopted as an intent and serious and passionate reader. I think that we've lost the habit of privacy and that concerns me. Reading is one place where we can go and be private and not seen. And I think that's what I was doing as a student in St Andrews in the 90s. I was hiding behind books. I was developing what would become, I suppose, my literary character, my literary characters. I was learning to adopt a literary persona. Can hear the geese honking away. My blue towel is hanging out nicely. My blue towel cloth blowing gently, good. Still a fine day, although the clouds have thickened a little bit. Very pleased to see the beautiful white snowdrops outside my boat. There I go. There's the there's the doorbell, as my little neighbour Maeve says. And here are my snowdrops. I say my snowdrops because they're on my patch. There's my neighbour sorting out his wood. <laughs> they're very organised, my neighbours. Everything is sorted. Here are the snowdrops. Yes, cluster of snowdrops. Beautifully bouncing around in the wind. Two large patches of snowdrops on my scrubby patch of land. Scrubby patch of land. I use that phrase in Go With Dove, scrubby patch of garden. I would say that I was born on a scrubby patch of garden. I seem to have returned to a scrubby patch here. I'm not a great gardener. I spend too much time with words. Words before bulbs, although in my mind I'm a gardener. I'm a gardener of words, that's what I'm doing. Yes, I'm very happy with these snowdrops. It's like I'd like them to speak, actually. I'm just leaning down with my microphone. <laughs> I just pointed them at the snowdrops, hoping they would talk to me. Very robust, little white, white-clad nuns. They look like little nuns, actually, with their caps on. Whatever nuns' caps are called, I should know that word. I will look it up. I will look it up.
a small sigh of relief. My washing day is over. The washing is outside drying. It's still not yet raining. The clouds are thickening slightly. They're turning a pasty pale gray, the color of clay. Clay, light colored clay. So I'm here with magnificent, magnificent Maeve Magnus, who's just come charging in through the stormy, windy, rainy, dark night with her books. What have you got there, Maeve? Wind and willows. You've got wind in the willows. You've got a box of wind in the willow books. Okay, you tell me all about the characters. I'm going to hand this over to you now. You're in charge. So Molly lives in a field and Rat lives next to the river and Badger lives in the wildwood. And I've got this question to ask you because I always do this when I read a book. I always say, which character am I like and which character are you like? So can you tell us which characters we might be? I'm Ratty and you're Mole. Explain. Because Mole uh, wears very weird clothes <laughs> and you do as well. Rude. Ratty is me and me is eating a lot, <laughs> lives next to the river, more like on the river. Do you think Ratty and Molly are good friends? Yeah. I think that's really what Wind in the Willows is about, actually. And loyalty, being loyal to your friends. All right, Maeve, shall we have a cup of tea now, then? Let's have tea time. The mole had been working very hard all the morning, spring cleaning his little home, first with brooms, then with dusters, then on ladders and steps and chairs, with a brush and a pail of whitewash, till he had dust in his throat and eyes and splashes of whitewash all over his black fur and an aching back and weary arms. Spring was moving in the air above, and in the earth below and around him, penetrating even his dark and lowly little house with its spirit of divine discontent and longing. It was small wonder then that he suddenly flung down his brush on the floor and said, bother and oh blow and also hang spring cleaning and bolted out of the house without even waiting to put on his coat. Something up above was calling him imperiously and he made for the steep little tunnel which answered, in his case, to the gravelled carriage drive owned by animals whose residences are nearer to the sun and air. 
So he scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged and then he scrooged again and scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged and scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged and then he scrooged again and scrabbled and scratched and scraped and scrabbled and scratched and scraped and scrooged and scrabbled and scratched and scraped working busily working busily with his little paws and muttering to himself up up we go up up we go up 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 we go up up, up we go, to the last pop. His snout came out into the sunlight and he found himself rolling in the warm grass of a great meadow. And when I put my snout out of my boat window, I see a little patch of meadow land commonly called in these parts Mole Run. Yes, Mole Run. That's what Maeve and I call it. Mole Run. We bump over it and we look down at the ground and say, Molly's been around. Molly's been around. How inconvenient. As we go bop, bop, bop over the brown hillocks beneath us, especially when I'm on my scooter. Bother the moles, we say. Bother the moles. Bother and oh, blow the moles. But of course, we secretly long to see one. We secretly long to see a creature called Mole, who we believe is the little water vole outside my window who lives in the dead trunk of the willow tree. Commonly called Voli. Yes, Voli. I think the wind in the willows is just the sort of thing one should read before taking to some spring cleaning. And it strikes me how similar the layout is to this area of land, this meadow grass, this meadow island I live upon with a line of trees behind us rising up slowly towards the weir and down to the south the southern dip of the island we're surrounded by a crescent of trees which puts me in mind of that map at the front of the wind in the willows the wild woods where the weasels live they could be but a stone's throw from here, from my mooring spot. This is fine, he said to himself. This is better than whitewashing. The sunshine struck hot on his fur. Soft breezes caressed his heated brow. And after the seclusion of the cellarage, he had lived in so long, the cellarage, he had lived in so long, the carol of happy birds fell on his dulled hearing, almost like a shout. After the seclusion of the cellarage. Sounds like winter to me. Our seclusion in our cellarage. It's over. Spring is coming. You'll see.
So this morning, a former student of mine called Rebecca is coming to see me. Rebecca Birrell, B-I-R-R-E-L-L. She's become a wonderful writer. She's written a book called This Dark Country. I used to teach her 10 years ago, perhaps. Time passes fast. She always struck me as being rather exceptional and rather eccentric in all the right ways. Somebody who could think for herself. Somebody who could see independently the things that perhaps others did not see. And I knew then she might be a writer, and indeed she's become a very good writer, of art. Her book covers female painters, British female painters, of the first part of the 20th century. And what she's mostly interested in is trying to define in painting form, the strokes of the brush on the canvas, what it means to have an inner life, what it means to build intimacy and self-containment and quietness, the inner life of the artist, as she stands perhaps in her kitchen, as I am now, looking at my kitchen cupboards and thinking to myself, they could do with a good clean. I found her book on my boat, This Dark Country is its title. I open the page, page 23, she's discussing the artist Dora Carrington, one of the Bloomsbury set, known to Virginia Woolf, of course. And she writes of Dora Carrington's piece, The Painting and Awakening. Her cheekbone and shoulder and breast are echoes of each other, soft half-circles highlighted by a shivering white light, effects which lead the eye to her navel, the palette's buttery centre, the warmest spot. Amongst all this beauty, touches of awkwardness, the blunt rendering of the one visible foot, the clumsy foreshortening of the arm held aloft, the thigh fixed at an uncomfortable angle, and her face turned from the viewer. It reminds me of how important privacy is to the artist, how important privacy is to me, and how when my picture is taken, I always avert my gaze away away from the prying eyes of the camera, I avert my gaze downwards towards the book in my hand. Always my prop, my book, always my alias. I think of that song by Simon and Garfunkel, Slip Sliding Away slip sliding away so many things so many things 10 years since i taught rebecca birrell 10 years ago she was a master student here in oxford and i was teaching her how to 
write in an animated way and how to think and how to put aside many of the theories that were being impressed upon her by the Academy, which had nothing to do with her materials. She was interested then in the experience of lives led inside rooms, how we live alongside objects of the everyday world, the phenomenology of living. What we put on in the morning, what we put on next to our desk, what we lean upon, what we look out upon, what we hold in our hand, what we choose to look upon, from the window, towards the wall, away from our desk, towards the light, into the other room. The still life of our being in the world. And I remember she was interested then in personages such as Sigmund Freud and the way that he lived his life with his case studies of women coming to and fro through his office door and the way in which he examined their lives, those women who came to him with their conditions, their inner lives, their minds, their hearts, their bodies. What it means to be known, to be seen and heard, to be touched and felt, to be reported upon. And I suppose this, this work I'm doing here, this broadcast of sorts, is my report upon my own life as it is touched and felt and heard and seen. That ivy I see now, hanging over the window and blowing in the breeze. The repetition of patterns, the small fractal patterns on those green heart-shaped leaves. What do they mean? What do they mean? Their patterns speak, they look like tiny little green heart-shaped shields. They are shielding me from being seen. The ivy that cascades down from the large tree pressed up against my window. Because of the ivy, I cannot quite be seen. And I am grateful for its camouflage for its veil. I reach out and I pull it in. I touch, I touch its green heart-shaped Thank you for listening to A Reading Life, A Writing Life with writer and teacher Sally Bailey Produced by Andrew Smith
if you've enjoyed this podcast. Please like it, give us a review, or mention us to friends or on social media. Thank you.